0: as we were worshiping a scripture came to my heart of how it says in hebrews that the word of god is living and active it is sharper than a double-edged sword and it penetrates to the heart and soul and so i pray that this morning as i bring the word to you that that is what god does that he does some real work in your life and that we leave here not the same i wouldn't classify today as a message or a preaching itself even though who knows what what how do you categorize that right but I just I want to open up my heart and share a few thoughts that um, that God has depo- been depositing in my own life and that God has been speaking in my own life through the things that I've been living and I pray that this will make sense to you too and that you can relate to it as well um, but a few weeks ago Reuben and I we had the opportunity to be generous we, uh, a friend of ours um, needed a car. She's here. She's from Brazil and she's with her family. She has a son. And um, she didn't have a car. And we happened to have a car that we've been in the process of trying to sell. And while we use our family car, this other car has just been sitting outside our door. And so I said, hey, um, maybe while we're trying to find a buyer, you could just take it and use it for you and your family. And, um, we thought about it for a while, to be honest, because in Portugal there's a saying that says, in Portuguese maybe it sounds a little cooler, but in <laughs> the saying says that there are two things that you should never lend, your wife and your car. And so uh, while we wouldn't compromise on the first one, we thought about it and we decided, okay, let's just go against all odds and the risks that all kinds of things can happen, but let's just lend her our car. And it was such a blessing. It was a blessing for her in the month of August, and she got to go to Sintra and different places with her son. Um, and, and it was a blessing for us because when we're generous, it, there's always blessing. God, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver, and so it's a blessing. And then it turns out that at the end of the month, when we agreed that we would have the car back, we found a buyer, and on Friday we sold the car. And so it just turned out really good. Um, And the reason I'm telling you this, I'm not telling you this to boast about how great we are, but I'm actually telling you this to admit to you how in this whole process I realized I'm not a very generous person. Maybe I have these grand acts of generosity once in a while, these spontaneous moments, um, but in general, they are very calculated, and they take a lot of effort from me to, to give and to share of my resources sometimes, and so I found myself having a conversation with Ruben in the, in the past few weeks saying, I wish I was more generous, Like, I don't want to just have these moments of generosity. I want to be more generous. I want to be a generous person. And I I don't want to struggle with the idea of sharing of my time and my resources when every once in a while the opportunity to give comes up. No, I want to be naturally inclined to create opportunities to give of my time and of myself to other people. I want generosity to be part of who I am. I want people, I was telling Ruben. I want people to, when they think of us, they think of generosity. That's how they describe us. The word says that the fruit of the Spirit is generosity, and so I want to bear this fruit. You see, I think that so often... We spend so much time thinking about all the things that we want to do in this life that we rarely take a moment to think of who we want to be. Would you agree with that? I mean, if you ask me today, what's my bucket list? What are the things I want to do? What are the planes I want to jump off of and the foods I want to experience and the countries I want to go to? I could have a whole list for you in two seconds. But if you ask me who I want to be, I might have to take a moment to think about it. And I think that it's because the world tells us that what you do will shape who you are, right? And so we're automatically placed on this lifelong quest to do things and so we we go to the right university to step into the right degree to to have the right career to eventually marry the right person to live in the right country and and our hope is that eventually with enough experiences and with enough things that we've done we will turn out a good person and if we don't turn out too good then just change right i mean michael jackson said he's gonna ask himself to make a change for once in his life It's going to feel real good it's going to feel real right and uh, let me just a disclaimer there that if it feels good making a change you're probably not doing it right (laughs) but he said hey I'm just gonna look at the man in the mirror and I'm gonna make a change but how many of you know that that's not that easy maybe it sounds good in a song but I've tried to make a change and I got to be honest with you it's it's not easy how many of you have found yourself saying no from now on I'm gonna be more generous from now on, I'm going to be less stressed. From now on, I'm going, to, I'm going to lash out at people less. From now on, I'm going to listen more. From now on, I'm going to be more patient. And maybe the truth is that many times we can change our behavior just enough to fool people. We can change our behavior just enough so that people think highly of us and they actually believe we've changed. And so we don't really have to deal with what's inside of our hearts if we just work hard enough to make the, pre- the outside look pretty. And, and I think that's why we love moving to a new country. And we love starting a new job because nobody knows us there. <laughs> and so it's a chance to start over. And, and whatever I show them, whatever I act like, that's who they think I am. But the problem is that if we only treat the symptoms of our behavior rather than the underlying causes within our hearts, then soon enough we'll be making the same mistakes all over again. Our behavior may have changed temporarily, but unless we are willing to do the real hard work, the real heart work, then I'm afraid that you'll have to move on to the next group of friends soon enough. (laughs) And I believe that this is why marriage is one of the hardest relationships ever. Because you can't just move on you can't just fake it till you make it what happens in marriage is that unless you look you you take a deeper look inside of your heart then you'll end up making the same mistakes hurting the same person in the same way long enough to expose you long enough for your spouse to say hey i don't i don't really want another apology I don't really want you to say how you're gonna act differently. I don't really want to hear your promises anymore because the problem isn't your behavior. The problem is you. The problem is something deeper and so if we want our marriages to last or if you want any meaningful relationship in your life to last then you have to be willing to take a deeper look. At the, at the belief systems and the values and the qualities that are filling your heart and propelling your actions. You see, contrary to the world, the Bible tells us that who you are determines what you do, not the other way around. In Proverbs 4.23, we read, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In other translations, it says that the heart is the wellspring of life. That is where everything originates. That is where everything begins. Your heart determines the words that you speak, the choices that you make, the attitudes that you have. Every interaction that you have in your life, it all begins in your heart. And so above all else, the Bible says... Above thinking of all the things you want to do in life, above thinking of all the degrees you want to take and all the places you want to go, above all else, we should be examining our hearts and evaluating the content that fills them. See, the reason we don't see Jesus living out sinful behavior is because his heart was clean, it was pure, it was surrendered to the Father. It was aligned with truth, and it was filled with the Spirit. And as a result, we see in Jesus someone overflowing with forgiveness. Someone who, when he could judge, he was patient, and he overflowed with kindness. We see in Jesus someone who, although he was tired and exhausted, he overflowed with compassion. Jesus was well aware that the heart is the wellspring of life. And he teaches that in Luke Chapter 6, verse 43, this is what Jesus said. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. I have to admit, I have no idea what a bramble bush is. So if you know, you let me know after. But the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. The first thing that stood out to me in this scripture is that you are responsible for you. Everybody say, I am responsible for me. You keep repeating that to yourself at work this week, with your family this week, with your spouse this week, whatever interaction you have this week, even today, I am responsible for me. Keep that on loop in your mind. See, Jesus tells us in verse 43 that each tree is responsible for its own fruit. So let's just get that out of the way this morning that today we are talking about your heart. God wanting to change your heart. Because we love talking about everybody else's trees and everybody else's fruit. We're so good at diagnosing everybody else's problems and their attitudes. And it's funny that with other people, when they make mistakes, we say, oh, that's who you are. But when we make mistakes, oh, I was having a bad day. That's an exception to really who I am. And so we could make prayers all day. And while it is good to pray for people, please do pray for people because it is only God who can change us. Today, Jesus is saying you are responsible for yourself, and for your own actions, and for your own attitudes, and your own words. So let's just focus on you for a minute. Jesus says further in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 through 5, why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life, and fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong, when you're guilty of even more? You're being hypercritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge and deal with your own blind spots, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. And so my challenge this morning is that we may really take an honest look at ourselves. If my heart is the start of life, if that's where everything originates, if everything I do flows from my heart, then it is urgent That we understand what is inside of us that we really have a true and accurate understanding of what's inside our hearts see i believe that there's two types of children in the world and i'm curious to know which type you are but my sister and i renee we embody these two types very perfectly (laughs) Growing up, I have an auntie. She's actually my dad's auntie. And to this day, you cannot leave my auntie's house without her giving you money. And it's interesting, though, that that as we would leave her house as children, she never just handed us the money. She would kind of do it in a super secretive manner, like this CIA-type spy handshake to give you the 20 euro or 50 euro note. And, uh, And she would do it to kind of hide from my uncle, even though my uncle is standing right there, and he knows exactly what is going on. But she would tell us, here, take this and go buy yourself an ice cream. And she would whisper that to us, no ice cream cost 20 euros but you know we would take that money and my sister would take that money and she would run to the nearest coffee shop and follow my auntie's recommendation and she would buy herself an ice cream and then she would take whatever money was left and at the nearest chance we would go with my parents and she would go to her favorite stores and just splurge all the money that she got meanwhile i would do the exact opposite (laughs) i was not a splurger i was a piggy banker and so I would take that money, and I would hold it tight in my hand. Until we got home, I'd go straight to my piggy bank. I'd fold that 20-year-old note like six times so that it would fit into my piggy bank. And there I would put it because I had expensive taste. And so my parents would say, if you want those brand Nike shoes that are only going to last three months, then you buy them. <laughs> if you want the TV in your room because the TV in the living room is not enough, then you buy it. And so I would save up in my piggy bank. And the thing about my piggy bank is that it wasn't just any ordinary piggy bank. It was those that are made of clay. Whoever had a piggy bank made of clay? A few of you. Who's a piggy banker in the house? Who's a splurger? Okay. (laughs) And and so this piggy bank was made of clay. And what that means is that it only had one opening. And it was a one-way street. You can only put the money in. You can't take it out. And so I would, I would save up, and this would be my way of eliminating all temptations of making premature withdrawals from my piggy bank. <laughs> and, and I would have a vague idea of how much was in there. I would go there every time I would get money, and I would put it inside, and I would have this vague idea. And, and I would sometimes go and, like, shake it about and see what was in there. And if it was heavy, it was a bad sign. Because if it was heavy, that means there was a lot of coins in there, and coins don't really have much value compared to notes. But if it was light, and if I could peek inside and see some color, then we're on a good track to getting to my end goal. But it wasn't until I would actually break my piggy bank and actually break the clay that I could truly identify what was inside. And I think that so often we have this vague idea of who we are. And we're, we're, we tend to be very optimistic about ourselves. No, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a humble person. No, I'm a, I'm a pretty patient person. We're optimistic. Yesterday, actually, we went to my sister's house, and my nephew happened to have his piggy bank with him. And so I gave him a few coins, and it was a really heavy piggy bank. And I asked him, David, how much do you think is in here? And he looks at me, and he thinks, and he thinks, and he holds it. I'm like, just a general estimate. How much do you think is inside? And finally, he turns to me, and he says, 60,000 monies. (laughs) He's optimistic. And we do the same thing. We, We look at the person next to us. We say, oh, if I was in her shoes, I wouldn't act that way. Man, if I was him, I would never say that. This is how I would act. This is what I would do. Because we think pretty highly of ourselves. But may I suggest... That often it is only when we are broken that we can truly see what's inside. It's only when conflict arises. It's only when circumstances surround us. It's only when people disappoint us or hurt us or break us that we can truly see the state of our hearts. See, verse 45, Jesus goes on and he says, Out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. And yet how many times do we fail to take responsibility for the words that our mouth professes? We, we say things like, oh, she's driving me crazy. Or you're making me so angry. Can I suggest that no one's making you anything? If anything, other people's offenses and conflict is only an opportunity to reveal and expose what is already inside of you. And so if your heart is filled with self-righteousness, then your words will speak judgment and critique. If your heart is filled with pride, then your words will be defensive and accusational. If there is insecurity in your heart, then your words will be demeaning and discouraging. But if grace abounds, then your words will be gentle and forgiving. If peace abounds, your words and your attitudes will bring healing and reconciliation. If humility abounds, then your words will be slow to speak, and they will be wise, and they will be soothing. See, people say that actions speak louder than words, and that may be true at times, but words speak pretty loud too. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 verse 21, it says that the tongue has the power of life And death what are the words coming out of your mouth what are the things that you are saying to the people around you what are the words that come out when you react to situations when you react at work when you speak to your boss when you speak to your spouse when you speak to your children how are your words a signal of something deeper within your heart can I also suggest that the attitude you had the other day maybe wasn't an exception Maybe that's really, truly showing you what's inside of your heart. What are the words coming out of your mouth? See, today I, I came to church to be with you and to worship a God who is working, who is constantly working in our lives. And I want to change today. I'm tired of trying to do things to try to be something. I want God to change me from within. I want to stop looking at other people and constantly judging their actions. I want to take responsibility for me. I want to be responsible for me. And that's what I pray for you today. The Bible says in Psalm 139, and the psalmist prays, Oh God, will you search me? Will you know my heart? Will you test my heart and know my anxious thoughts? May that be our prayer. Because out of the heart flows all things in our lives. And so how do we fill our hearts with what is good? And how do we take the undesirable, how do we take away the undesirable things that we find in our hearts? Let me give you three action steps today. Number one, pray David's prayer. Psalm 51.10 is a prayer that David prayed shortly after he had messed up real big. And I mean real big. If you know the story of David, you you know that he had slept with a married woman, he had got her pregnant, he killed off her husband, and then he lied to cover it all up. I mean talk about bad behavior. This is not good. But, But By what other people saw, other than the ones, the messengers who were close and who actually went to get Bathsheba and everything, by what everybody saw, he was still an amazing leader. He was still an inspirational person. He still showed up to work. He did the things that he always did. He kept his outward appearance looking pretty good, and the nation loved him. But here's the thing. David was chosen to be king by a God who said, the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And so from an early age, David understood that God could see right through him. There was no excuse for what he did. His sin didn't start when he slept with Bathsheba. It started way before when he allowed lust and pride and selfishness to enter into his heart. His actions were merely a natural overflow of the sin he had already let inside of him. And so this is the prayer that he makes in Psalm 51.10. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. He needed God to renew his heart. He desperately needed God, God to be the one to take away the lust, to take away the pride and the selfishness, and he needed God to fill it with self-control and with obedience and with faithfulness to fill it with the spirit of God this is the prayer that we should be praying God create in me a pure heart and so if you really want to change if you really want to be a different person if you really want to step into the person that God created you to be then it has to start with this prayer because here's the good news God loves this prayer And he will always answer this prayer. We read in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 that he who began a good work in you will carry it on unto completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so if you're not done praying, then God's not done working if you're not done coming to god and repenting of your sin and saying i want to be different god take away the the old and create in me something new then god's not done working in you there is a new chapter for you will you pray this prayer god create in me a new heart allow him to fill your heart with more of him number two deposit the word in your heart It's simple in theory, but man, it's not easy. And I'm preaching this whole message. Let me tell you, I'm preaching to myself, especially in this action step. Read the word so simple. And yet we get onto our busy lives and the things that we have to do and the time we just want to rest and watch some Netflix. I don't really want to do work of reading. Oh, it's hard. Am I preaching to somebody here? Somebody relate to that? Not a lot of you. I see some head nods. Okay. (laughs) There. Thank you. I'm not the only one. But the word says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so think of your daily devotional as your daily deposit into your heart. Daily depositing the truth of the word into your heart. And should it break today, may it overflow with forgiveness. Should it break today? May it overflow with grace. Should I be confronted today? May the word that I have read be the overflow of life that goes into other people around me. Daily deposit the word into your heart. Remember what I said earlier, it says in Hebrews that the word is sharper than a double-edged sword. It is active, it is living, the word creates something in us. And so even if you can only read the verse of the day, even if you can only memorize that one scripture, do it. Because it produces life in us, it fills our hearts with more of God and less of ourselves. And should we break, may we overflow with truth with love, with kindness, with patience, with generosity. So number one, pray David's prayer. Number two, deposit the word in your heart. And number three, be accountable. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And this is a hard one, accountability. Now, I sort of unknowingly signed up to a lifelong subscription of this one. I don't think I was perfectly aware that when I signed up to marriage, I automatically signed up to a package deal of accountability. (laughs) Because Reuben sees me at my best, and he sees me at my worst. He often sees in me the things that I can't see. And in the past four years, God has used Reuben to do some very serious work in my heart. And it's a full-time job, let me tell you. But you see, accountability, it rids us of excuses. And if it's done right, it should empower us with strength to overcome. It should empower us with encouragement to change. It should empower us with, with, with faithfulness of a friend to lift us up. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 10, For two are better than one. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has no one to lift him up. So be accountable to someone in your life. Whether it's your spouse, whether it's, it's your friend, whether it's your parent, whether it's your leader, whoever it is, be accountable to someone and let them speak into your life. Let them be used by God to show you the blind spots that you can't see. Let them be used by God to identify the things in your heart that need more of God. So we're going to take some time to think about this question today. And I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. And I just wanted to share this very brief message with us today. And I think it's enough for us to now spend some time with God. No point in me keep on, keep on talking and, and, and preach a very long message if at the end of the day we don't actually have time to be honest with God. And so that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to think about this question, who do I want to be? Truly, who do I want to be and who does God want me to be? And, and don't think about others right now. I don't want to think about others right now. I want to think about myself. I want to stop trying to justify my behavior and just let God show me the real condition of my heart. I want God to purify me from the inside out. And maybe you know exactly what's inside. And maybe you've been, you've been performing, trying to change your bad behavior, modifying it just enough so that other people believe in a made-up version of yourself. But God can see right through you. God looks at the heart. So let's be honest with him and let's pray this prayer. God, renew in me. Create in me a new heart, a pure heart one that is pleasing to you, one that is filled with the Spirit so that we may overflow with life. Amen. Will you stand with us? And will we pray this prayer today?